Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. After 15 games of the NBA season, we are going to talk about some takeaways, some things we see, and we actually have a guest analyst joining us today, Jacob Stanitsky. And Jacob, what have you seen in these first 15 games? The one thing that I've seen that has surprised me the most is Luka Doncic. I did not think he could keep it up. Last year, I was watching him like, oh, he's having a lucky lucky rookie season. That's false. He's averaging 30 points, 10 or 11 total rebounds, and 9 assists. He's almost averaging a 30-point triple-double, averaging that. Luka Doncic is right now my MVP candidate. I know earlier I thought it was James Harden, but after him having a bad game last game, I do believe that Luka Doncic is the MVP in only his sophomore season in the NBA. My biggest takeaway is that James Harden is falling for the same trap again. I thought that after two years of Harden playing nearly every single game for 38 minutes and trying to score as many points as possible and then flopping in the playoffs, he would learn. But it has only gotten worse. Everyone is freaking out right now. They're like, Harden for MVP. Harden's insane. 38 points a game. 38 points a game looks great. But let's really look at what's happening here. If you look at these stats, Harden is shooting more and making less. What does that mean? That means he's not only increasing the amount of time he has the ball, but he's not even increasing the amount of of points he's scoring off field goals. So you may ask, if he's not increasing his field goal percentage, then how is he scoring more points? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer is he is taking, averaging three more free throws a game. Not three more free throws. That may not seem a lot to you, but three free throws is a lot. What does those three free throws mean? That means he is taking a lot more contact. The NBA today in the modern age is extremely physical. As much as people like to say, oh, it was way more physical in the good old days. This is just not true because of the nature that athletes are so much bigger, stronger, faster, and the collisions are so much greater. So there's a lot more contact. So Harden is taking, is having three more free throw attempts. That means he's getting fouled more. That means he there is more contact on him. Which means, ultimately, in the playoffs, when it really matters, once again, for the third consecutive year, and possibly even for his entire playoff career, James Harden will not live up to his regular season performances because he is taking too much contact. And really quick, a second takeaway. Everyone right now is freaking out about LeBron. They're like, this is why I told you LeBron was better than Kawhi. Kawhi is overrated. He just had a fluke season. Well, I'm sorry. What LeBron is doing is he's playing every single night trying to show off like he has something to prove. And he does have something to prove because you know what happened last season? He missed the playoffs. You know what also happened last season? Kawhi won the NBA championship. Why? Because unlike James Harden, unlike LeBron James, Kawhi realizes that load management is the way to go in the NBA. If you play all 82 games at 100%, playing 38 minutes a game, by the time the playoff comes around, when you're playing against the best players in the NBA, you are going to be gassed out. You are not going to be at your same level. 
And right now, everyone is criticizing Kawhi for taking games off. And I don't understand it. Don't you realize this is how you win championships? Kawhi does not care about October, November, December, January, February, March, or April. He cares about May and June. Well, he will go out and win his second consecutive championship, beat LeBron in the playoffs, because LeBron is expending his energy when it doesn't matter. So what what caught my eye was another sophomore um, player, player in his sophomore season, who is outperforming my expectations. That is Trey Young. The Hawks, garbage, except for Trey Young. He's averaging, I think, 30 points a game and I think nine assists. Um, he's been going off. He's been tearing up defenses. I honestly thought his rookie season was a fluke. He he either didn't make the March Madness or didn't go very far when he when Oklahoma and when he was leading Oklahoma, they were expected to do very well in the tournament. They didn't do that well. But I thought he was bad in college, drafted too high, fluke rookie season. But I think Trey Young is the real deal. I think when contract time comes around, when free agency comes around, don't be surprised if some of the big teams and bigger markets come looking. And don't be surprised if he gets a very big contract. My biggest takeaway so far is looking at a, a team that most likely will not make the playoffs in the Grizzlies. And I think, although they're not going to make the playoffs, I think this is an organization that is moving in the right direction. They drafted John Morant. I think that draft pick will prove to be probably the best pick you could take out of that draft class. We, we don't know how Zion will play. He's coming. He's trying to get back from injury. Obviously, Zion, with all the talent, he could come out and, you know, be a Hall of Famer. But right now, John Morant looks like the best player come in this rookie season. I think he's played extremely well. 18 and a half points per night, 27 minutes, six assists on 49% from the field. Really solid numbers for a rookie. He looks like he can both be a scorer and a facilitator with the ball. Somebody you can really build around. And I think you also have a couple of pieces that can really complement and start to grow. One of them is Jaron Jackson Jr., drafted out of Michigan State. He's also, I believe, in his sophomore season. Um, and he is he his if you look at his numbers right now, they're almost identical to his rookie season, which he put up 14 like for both seasons, 14 points a game, right around five rebounds and a couple of assists on roughly the same efficiency. But I think what's telling about his play is that he started off this season really in a slump, and now he's starting to play a lot better, working with Morant, coming off screens. And I think as the season progresses, you'll see his numbers are start are going to start to rise, and you're going to see him, I think, come out and have a really nice developmental season, kind of like a Clint Capella, because I think when he got drafted out of Michigan State, he was seen as a big, athletic kind of physical forward that's going to provide you good defensive minutes. But I think right now what he's showing is that he can go out and put up some solid numbers as well in the points category and get you a couple blocks as well as 14 to 18 a night. And if you start a couple seasons from now, you start to develop both Morant and Jaron Jackson. The Grizzlies look like they're going to be a good team. We're going to go right into our prediction segment now, and we are going to start with a marquee matchup. The Green Bay Packers are playing the San Francisco 49ers. And we are going to start this week's predictions with Rob. Rob, who you got? I'm going to go with the 49ers. In my opinion, I think they're going to win because we've seen Kyle Juszczyk, 
He's just now getting back. I'm not saying this to continue our dispute about whether fullbacks are relevant or not, but I'm saying Kyle Juzicek is coming back. He's going to do well this week right off the injury. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, he might not be statistically the best quarterback in the league, but he's been performing very well in these past few weeks. All right, I'm going to take um, the Green Bay Packers in a very close game. I think just Aaron Rodgers is going to put them over the edge. I think when you have a matchup like this, you have two. The strength of the 49ers is obviously their defense. And now I think their offense has looked much better in the in the weeks, like in these last week, in last few weeks. But if you look at the Arizona game, I don't think their defense was that good against a rel- against an okay QB, somebody who has a similar, somewhat of a similar skill set in Aaron Rodgers in terms of being able to run the ball. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to make some plays that beats that defense, and I think Arizona, uh, the Packers' defense will step up. I think that this game it is a very close game. Two teams that are very good, but I think the deciding factor in this game is the most important part of a football team, the offensive line. And that is why the Green Bay Packers, with David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga, two of the best tackles in the game, will win because of their amazing pass protection and the fact that they can run block just a bit better than the uh, San Francisco 49ers to open up the pass game. So that is why the Green Bay Packers will win. It's obviously going to be an amazing game, and I do believe that the deciding factor in this game will be that George Kittle is still not practicing and will probably not play. George Kittle is one of the 49ers' most important parts of their offense, and although the 49ers have a great defense, I do believe Aaron Rodgers will be able to overcome that and beat the 49ers on Sunday night. So I'm going to take the Packers because, unlike what JW will tell you, the most important part of football is the quarterback. And the the 49ers have a substantially worse quarterback than the Green Bay Packers. So I think Aaron Rodgers will completely outplay Jimmy Garoppolo because he is Aaron Rodgers. And this 49ers defense has not been looking too good these past few weeks. You look against the Seahawks, they played okay. They had a couple good plays, but they were not the same dominant defense they'd been in weeks prior. And then against the Cardinals throughout that first half, Kyler Murray was running and throwing all over that 49ers defense. So although I think the 49ers may have a better overall roster and are at home, I just think Aaron Rodgers will be able to beat up on that slightly overrated 49ers defense and win the game. So I got to go with JW's call on the line and not your call on the line. I think the line is the most important position because, well, if you don't have a line, your receivers can't get open in time and you can't run the ball. However, the Packers have a great line, but they don't got anyone in the middle of the line. You want to know what can really help out a line? And I'm being serious when I say this. A gold, a good fullback can help out a offensive line. I agree with Rob when he says Kyle Juszczyk is back. He's healthy. I like what Kyle Juszczyk is going to do to the linebackers of the to the Packers linebackers. Um, I think it'll be they will the Niners run game will have a bounce back after the awful running game uh, out in Arizona playing the Cardinals. I think they're going to run all over the Packers defense and the Niners are going to win this game. Can I ask you a question, Jack? So the Texans had the worst offensive line in the 
league last year, correct? Statistically and by pro football focus, were ranked as the worst offensive line. Yet because they had Deshaun Watson, they made the playoffs. Now let's talk about the worst quarterback. There are lots of worst quarterbacks. I could say that the worst quarterback last year may have been possibly Case Keenum, or maybe it was even Mitchell Trubisky. There are lots of candidates for worst quarterbacks, but you look at the worst quarterbacks, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win games. You know what all the bad quarterbacks have in common? A bad O-line. Yes, but you don't need a good O-line necessarily to be elite. Russell Wilson, his entire career, has not had a great O-line. Deshaun Watson does not have a great O-line, okay? So just because you have a good O-line, it doesn't mean you're going to be a good quarterback. And just because you're a good quarterback, it's not going to mean you have a good O-line. And at the end of the day, if you could ask someone, do you want the best O-line in football? Or do you want the best quarterback in football? Every single GM is going to take the best quarterback in football. That's false. The Eagles literally won a Super Bowl with their O-line. You think Nick Foles is really the best quarterback in football? You think he's even good? He was awful before he got there. He got to a great O-line. He played well. Now he's on Jacksonville. And he's awful again. He's not Not awful. awful. He He just came back from an injury. And no, seriously. Okay, so he's not awful, but he's not Philadelphia. It is blasphemous to say that the O-line is the most important position in football. It is clearly the quarterback. There is it's a obvious, reason. Like, it's obviously the quarterback, and I don't know why we're even having this discussion right now. There's a reason why quarterbacks get paid $35 million a year. There is reason why when quarterbacks go down, your team sucks. When Aaron Rodgers went down, the Packers have had, like two years ago, the Packers still had a great O-line. They still had Bilava. They still had Bakhtiari. And what happened? They were terrible. Why? Because they lost Aaron Rodgers. The O-line is certainly an important position, but it is not comparable to the quarterback. The quarterback is the single most important position in all of sports. And anyone who disputes otherwise simply does not watch football or has not watched football long, long enough to understand this. I'd like to agree with what both of you guys are saying. While I'd admit that the O-line is very, very important, I also think that the quarterback is important. But I think they work best, obviously, when put together. Like, you have a good quarterback, but with the help of a good O-line, that can make the difference between good and elite. Like, for example, Deshaun Watson, he's already elite, to say. But if he had, like, a good O-line, I think you'd see more comparisons between, like, him and best quarterbacks in his, well, not history, but, like, superb quarterbacks because of all the extra pocket time he'd have. It gives him more time to find an open man. So giving him less picks, less sacks, like obviously in the game we saw last week, he got sacked five times in the first half alone. If he had more pocket time or just like didn't hold on to the ball as long, he would have been able to avoid those sacks and potentially get more yards and points for the Texans. I will say, just to point out, in the AFC East, who is the number one team there? New England. They the have the best quarter? O-line. Who has the, and they have okay. the best quarter? AFC North. Who has the best O-line there? The Ravens. They're Who also in the first. Who has the best O-line in the AFC South? Indianapolis. They have they they All have right. the best record Let's in the Let's talk AFC. about Kansas City. Kansas City. They, they have not. a gr- they, they, they have a good Oakland O-line. Oakland has a much, much better O-line than Kansas City. No, it is very comparable there to O-line. Okay. This is what I will say. It is much I believe the quarterback is more important than the O-line. But it's much harder to be a good quarterback when your O-line is bad. When you're constantly under pressure, you will throw 
throws that you would not have thrown if you weren't under that pressure. And because of that, it is often seen that good teams have good O-lines. And also, if you have a good O-line, it makes it seem like you are better than you are as a quarterback. Like, for example, I do believe Dak Prescott is overrated. And I think the reason that people think he's so good is because he has the best O-line in football. So I do believe the O-line is important, but I do believe that actually having a good quarterback is more important. So, Rodrigo, I I see where you're coming from on the quarterback. It could – it's really a toss-up. I think it's the O-line. I'm more of a few yards in a cloud of dust guy than a Mike Leach air raid guy. But um, the most important position in all of sports – it's clear. After we make our second prediction, we are going to have to talk about this. We are going to have to talk about this. No, 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 no let's this. talk about it right now. Who, in your opinion, what is the most important position in sports? In all of in sports. In all of sports. All of sports. <laughs> it's the quarterback. There's a reason. You Bold. don't draft. You Bold. don't draft. No. That's what yes. he's not the you, most You do important. not draft. Um, this is just factually is, incorrect from Jack. Okay. Also, might I add, this is coming from the biased goalie. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. So I play goalie, but I wasn't even talking about a soccer goalie. Name, name us. No, 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 no. I was talking about the goalie on the ice. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's just talk about this. In hockey, nobody goes, you know what, guys? We got to go draft the franchise goalie. Actually, Nobody says that. Yes. No. Yes. You draft the franchise quarterback. The quarterback is the position you give your – the keys to the franchise are given to the quarterback. If you select a Hall of Fame quarterback, you will be in contention for a championship for a decade. Okay, the the Colts. A perfect example of this is the Colts. The Colts never had throughout Peyton Manning's career the best roster. They had holes everywhere. Their defense was a weakness, but because they had Peyton Manning, they were great. The Patriots. Tom Brady has never had a losing season because he is Tom Brady. He so many pieces have changed on the Patriots. There have been years when all of Tom Brady's receipt receivers are undrafted. You've never heard of any of them. There's a reason why every single year the Patriots lose an O-lineman. Two years ago, it was Nate Soldier, was considered one of the best left tackles in the league. He goes to the Giants. He's not with Tom Brady anymore. He's not with a great quarterback. Now he's just a guy. Trent Brown leaves the Patriots. The O-line has been completely fine, okay? So franchise quarterback, it is the position in sports. This is just a fact. I don't understand why we can't agree. Rodrigo, then why are there five goalies now, five former NHL goalies now, sitting on their couches, getting paid over $10 million yearly because they were signed into long-term contracts and now retired? Because the franchise goalie is the most important position that you want to keep them under contract for as long as you possibly can. Okay. Okay, I believe that the most important position in sports, now this is debatable, is the pitcher in baseball. Now the reason that I believe this is because obviously you have multiple pitchers, but the position as itself is more important than the quarterback. Because if you have a bad pitcher, constantly and constantly, you won't be able to finish the game because they will keep hitting home runs, they keep hitting bases, and they will constantly keep scoring. If you have a bad quarterback, obviously, if you have a dysfunctional quarterback, fine, you won't score any points either. But a good quarterback can always, or a bad quarterback can always just hand the ball off to his running back. And as long, and every once in a while they will score. If you have a bad pitcher, he will constantly, he will constantly let points be put onto you and you will not be able to win any 
baseball team. Clearly, having a good staff, good pitchers, is is one of the most important factors in winning baseball games. But I think it it comes in second to the quarterback position because pitchers only play once every five games, mm-hmm. right? So the quarterback is your guy for every single game. If you don't have him, if you if you have if you go from an elite quarterback to a below average, your chances of winning a game automatically drop. And in the NFL, it's so important because that guy plays every all all the games. Whereas a pitcher, I think a pitcher can take over a game like no other position because of how like you can just dominate. The pitcher controls whether the other team will score. So the pitcher probably has the single most important impact if they're elite on a game. But because they don't play every game and because a lot of them aren't able to like most of the time most pitchers compared to QBs are not going to be able to completely shut down an offense I think you have to give it an edge to a QB your argument is that they only play once every five games but we're not talking about individual people we are talking about the position as a whole and I believe that the position as a whole is more important than the quarterback in my opinion the most important position in all of sports even though it might not even be a position is the head coach of a college basketball team. You see some of the greatest head coaches. Coach K, Duke, before Coach K came in, in the 70s, they made it to one March Madness. After Coach K came in, five national championships. They, I think, are tied or are one below the record for most national championships as a school. He brings in top recruits year in and year out. Zion Williamson, Justice Winslow, all these guys that are amazing. Kyrie Irving. If you did not have Coach K, Duke basketball would be the laughingstock of the ACC. But he has turned them into the dominant power of the basketball conference okay but we digress we have one more prediction to get to and it is texans colts this is a very important game for both teams if the colts win they take two against the texans they probably have the division on lock because even if they tie records they still have the tiebreaker if the texans win it's a split they probably have the best um record in the division they probably win the division and to start our predictions we're, again, going to Rob. Okay, I say even though the Texans are coming off of a hard, hard loss last week, an absolute blowout against um, the Ravens, I think that was a flaw on the O-line, like I said in our last episode. I believe it's partially their fault that Deshaun got sacked so much and didn't have time to get the ball downfield as much as he wanted. But I think that's going to change this week. Obviously, the defense of the Colts is far inferior to that of the Ravens. So I don't think they're going to put as much pressure on Deshaun. But also, I think on the topic of defense, the Texans' defense is going to go ham on the Colts' offense. We see the Texans, they've been just destroying teams that are in the spread offense. They've been going 5-2 and against teams in the spread. And so I think that means that they're just going to go ham. They're going to get a few forced fumbles, maybe like two forced fumbles, maybe one recovery. And I think that's going to change the tide of the game. Well, clearly... This game is a must-win, absolute must-win for the Texans. And I think what it's going to come down to is will the Texans' defense step up? Now, you just said they're 5-2 and two against teams in the spread. But what were those two losses? One of them was against the Colts. Look, this Texans' defense, it has been a very up-and-down season. We know the defensive line is pretty good. They're going to come. They're going to get pressure, maybe a couple sacks. 
But the real question lies in the Texans secondary. And especially if T.Y. Hilton plays, which he's questionable right now, but I think he will play, end up playing. If he plays, you look at having T.Y. Hilton, who can absolutely torch the Texans secondary, but also Pascal, who has in four games has been excellent against the Texans. So now you have two receivers who have been able to torch the Texans against an a secondary that's already hurting. I hope the Texans win, but I just think the Colts, are, especially with the return of Jacoby Brissett, are going to be too good for the Texans' defense. I think in this game, I am picking the Colts because whenever I pick the Texans, they seem to lose. So I'm picking the Colts because of Rigoberto Sanchez, one of the top punters in the National Football League and is significantly better than Brian Anger, who is a bust at punter. He was selected in the second round as a punter by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they dropped him in two seasons because, I mean, he just he, he just can't cut it. He only averages 41 punt yard, net punt yards. That is so bad. We need a – the Texans need a punter who can get at least 50-plus on the net punt yards because right now Brian Anger is not cutting it for the Houston Texans. All right. So I believe that the winner of this game comes down to whether T.Y. Hilton plays or not. He's a game-time decision, and every time T.Y. Hilton has played against the Texans, he has destroyed them. He has an average of 133 yards and one touchdown every time he plays this team. That's ridiculous. So I do believe that when T.Y. Hilton comes – if T.Y. Hilton comes back, the Colts win. If he doesn't, the Texans win. Also, another factor to this is the Texans' secondary is destroyed right now. For example, Lonnie Johnson Jr. is out. Justin Reed is also out. And Mike Adams is out. Because of this, I do believe that the Colts will beat the Texans if T.Y. Hilton plays. If this was any other year, I would pick the Colts. Because Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton used to own the Texans, especially T.Y. Hilton. I mean, this guy, as you said, Jacob and Jack Mara. This guy is incredible against the Texans. He calls Houston his second home, and rightfully so, because they have never been able to stop T.Y. Hilton. But he no longer has Andrew Luck throwing him the ball. And Andrew Luck, you know, he's from Houston. He went to high school in Houston, and he also loves to play in Houston. So because there is now that downgrade at quarterback, I think the T.Y. Hilton won't be that explosive against the Texans. I also think the last time Deshaun Watson was absolutely humiliated was against the Carolina Panthers week four. And what happened next week, he came back. He had five touchdown passes, perfect pass rating. There is something about Deshaun Watson. Whenever he does not play well, he gets extra motivated, and he comes out and plays spectacularly. So for those reasons, I think that the Texans are going to win this game and ultimately win the division. Um, And you have to realize, in that game where he was humiliated, he threw three of those touchdown passes to T. Uh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller is also, I think, a game-time decision for this game. Marlon Mack is out. He's in? Oh, yeah, he's in. Um, So I think that Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller will do – to the Colts secondary, as Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton have done to the Texans secondary. I also think that Marlon Mack being out plays a big role because the Texans linebackers and secondary are very bad at tackling. Like, honestly, over there on those practice fields, y'all need to do more tackling drills because if you watch the game against the Ravens, there were plenty of missed tackles, tons of missed tackles. 
However, with a running back who ain't got no shake, your tackling doesn't have to be as good, which means that they can control the run game, therefore they can control the pass game, and they will win this game. I'd like to add just to what was being said earlier. So speak. Jacob was talking about how all the Texans players are out, but I'd also like to talk about how many of the Colts players were out or just getting off injury. T.Y. Hilton's been injured for a few weeks now. He is just kind of going to be a little rusty. Eric Ebron, their starting tight end, he's also rusty. As we know, the tight end is one of the key components in a spread offense, which we know the Colts love to use. So I think that's going to put them in a little bit of a pickle there. But also Marlon Mack, he got pulled out of last game with a fractured right hand. I feel like that's going to somehow affect his performance and the fact that it might be harder for him to hold on to the ball if he did play that much. I think that saying someone is rusty is not a reason to say that a team will win. I do believe that T.Y. Hilton is just so good in Houston every single time that he won't be rusty in this game. This is probably the perfect away game that he could come back to. And also Eric Ebron, though you could be correct he's rusty, I do not think that that will affect his, like, whether the Colts win or not. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.